0: Chapter Twelve of Two on the Trail by E. E. Cowper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Lore. The Flight Continues. By this time it is understood what the plan was that shines in the night put before Nell when the lizard brought news of the pursuer's nearness. It was a wonderfully complete plan because it included the making of a trail anew from the head of the lake and down the center of the outlet of the river the shrewd mind of the redskin girl saw the necessity of this because stenson would not have been satisfied with a trail that began at the wolf's tooth rocks he would of course want to know by what track the fugitives reached it the way they had really come the afternoon before close to the bank was partly obliterated by the thaw and partly defaced by the lizard who went back on it for some little distance till he had destroyed the connection with the camp on the rock at first nell refused to agree but shines in the night made it quite plain that she and the lizard would be in no danger great chief oga the pickerel she said impressively once little eyes do him bad turn never forgive him know that all time oga finished little eyes police no matter at all then it was true nell knew that the red men never forgive an injury and never forget a friend if stenson had killed the girl no length of time no number of years or miles of distance would save him in the end from the vengeance of oga that made a great deal of difference She could not have agreed to the plan if she had believed it would endanger the girl's life. So she and David accepted the generous offer, and one curious thing happened in connection with this. When it was settled, she said, You are very good to us, shines in the night. Your heart is very warm and kind. We have not thanks enough to give you. The tall, white sister has given me a great gift, answered the Indian it lies on my heart and keeps it warm towards her so that no deed is too much for me she put her hand within the leather shirt that she wore under her blanket and drew out almost reverently the christmas card that nell had sent her a hole had been made at one corner and a deer's tendon such as indian women sew with was passed through the hole thus hanging the card around her neck as she brought it out the faint delicate scent from the sachet pervaded the air and made robin lift his muscle from his paws and wrinkle his nose with little tentative sniffs two shines in the night this card was the most wonderful and beautiful thing she had ever seen she believed it to be a miracle too a charm of great power and she knew that the possession of it would give her a sort of status of honor above the other girls and women of the chippewas nell knew the indians but even she was surprised at the immense satisfaction this card had given just at a critical moment she bound this girl to her service with a bond almost unbreakable it was a strange thing after that the action proceeded swiftly the time being little beyond midnight they had some hours before the camp on the south shore would wake Nell and David took a small, compact bundle each, simply the sleeping bag, a billy can, a little tea, and pemmican, the object being to travel as light as possible and cover as much ground as they could in the shortest time. The Indians gave Nell careful and distinct directions about her journey. She was not to touch on the lake, but to go along the north side of it through the woods and cut across the bend of the river on the land in this way she was to travel quite ten miles of the stream but always keeping in the woods after that it would be safe for her to take to the course of the ice they all thought but it might depend on circumstances about that time too she would reach the log house the bunk house run up for travelers where Andrew Lindsay had made a cache. Nell was depending rather on that for enough food to keep on with. Haste being her one object, it was not possible to set a wire for a chance rabbit, and concealment being necessary, they could not fire a gun unless absolutely forced to in self-defense. A shot would ring far in the silent, snow-laden woods." So that was the plan mapped out by the two girls, and very soon after that they parted, Nell and David going off east through the scattered woods of the north shore, the lizard and his sister going back west, also on the shore, and dragging the sled, until they arrived at a place from which it seemed safe to take to the lake again, and come down the center of it as described, making the trail that was to mislead the pursuers. All those long hours till the gray of morning began to make the trees ghostlike, brother and sister went on and on with Robin. At first they felt the pleasure of going ahead without the drag of the sled, but about six o'clock they were very tired, and Nell decreed a short rest, tea, and a feed. They made a small round fire with great care, boiled some snow water for tea, ate their dried meat, and gave robin a bit of the dried fish they carried for him no bacon they must wait for the cache then rested somewhat they went on again they had reached the river outlet and were cutting across that part round which its course wound this was about the time when stenson was coming down the lake hot on the trail of the indians who were certainly ten miles behind nell if not more David was beginning to think it was all right again. He depended greatly on the Indian girl's ruse, but Nell was very anxious. She could feel that money at her waist every time she moved, and the responsibility was a burden. She had taken upon herself to remove it from the hiding place, and she had a feeling that she owed it to her father now to carry her plan through, whatever it cost. With this dread upon her, she put off taking to the river as long as they could get on by land. It was harder, slower going, the shoes caught in snags and roots unless they moved with greatest care, and a long swing was difficult. About noon and after rest, Nell declared she'd risk it. They unstrapped their snowshoes, broke away through the undergrowth, and found the river again, wider, snow-covered for the most part smooth going they had not come all this way without seeing a forest creature or two a rabbit a mink that was chasing it just as stoats do in england the rabbit escaped thanks to robin's interference but the mink did also the climb down the bank brought them up against the land entrance of the muskrat's nest a big heap of sticks and rubbish that looked so careless but was so carefully made they knew that down away under the ice was a water entrance also and between the two entrances a nest most beautifully safe and dry which the mink was always trying to get at nell and david knew of these things and had often seen them but today was no time to wait and watch once on the water or rather on the snow-covered ice they strapped on their shoes and went on again at a fine pace considering the thaw which is most certainly a drawback if you want to race. They had counted on reaching the bunkhouse that night, but they did not reach it, and they were faced by the inevitable night in the snow with no food but the tea and dwindling pemmican. It was not quite so cold, but that was small gain when the wetness was taken into account, dripping trees and wet snow. They would not make a sound of complaint, either of them, though they were dizzy with weariness and stiff in every muscle they scraped a tiny camp free of snow made a fire with bits of stick and dead leaves boiled their water almost mechanically and after eating all they dared of the food remaining crawled into their bags and were asleep in a few seconds the two with the dog between them so soundly they slept that no stir among the wild creatures on the bank roused them nor did the faint, ceaseless trickle of tiny streams running into the river. The hardest part was waking in the morning to start on again in the raw chill of the thaw at dawn. No sun, of course, gray mist, shadows, and slush. Never mind, said Nell, answering their thoughts, because neither had spoken. We must reach the bunkhouse and the cache today. Then we'll have a feast and a rest and a fire in the stove. They always keep the fire laid. We shall have to do it for the next that comes along when we go. David seized on Robin in a sort of paroxysm of satisfaction. They rolled about on the ground together and presently got up very cheerful. Da, you're a brick, said Nell, measuring out tea. I say, we are short. That's the last, and only this to eat. Pity we can't eat Rob's fish, but we can't. It's like wood they made fun of the poor meal the slush the stiffness and the long miles ahead come on said the girl and they had started before the sun was up all the morning they kept on and then nell began to recognize certain landmarks her father had spoken of at different times the first of these was the narrowing of the river into a sort of gorge the sides of which were steep rocky and wooded david said it was a good thing they had no sled that was the bright side certainly but they had themselves and it meant a landing a severe climb and a struggle through a regular maze of undergrowth they had to use the little axe which they had held to as a necessity and carried strap to david's back bad as it was landing was the only way because the river went down the gorge in rapids and the strong stream had begun to force tiny rivulets over the snow About the middle of the afternoon, when David was very silent, and Nell had taken to describing the bunkhouse, which she declared was close by, Robin left them. He had become restless a little while back, following up some trail with persistence, and now he disappeared altogether. Never mind, said Nell. It was rather a favorite expression of hers, always meaning, really, never say die. He can't possibly lose us, even if we lose him. I say now, look at the big rocks and the jolly hiding holes up there. David waved a hand towards a sort of fortress above them. If the bunkhouse turns out to be a frost, we'd better come back here and hide. It would be jolly safe. Start housekeeping in a cave? All right, but what shall we eat? Robin? Or the foxes that live up there? We haven't even got a snare. As they talked, they came into a sort of rough track leading from the heights down to the river. The wood was less dense, and Nell suddenly checked. Da! Oh, da! See? We are all right. I'd give three cheers, only we better not. There's the bunkhouse up on the bank above the stream in that bit of open... see? They both stood still, gazing their fill, as it were. This meant rest, warmth, a safe night food and in the minds of both a feeling that the worst was over david made extravagant signs of joy silent signs nell's face which had been looking very pinched and years older than the fifteen she counted seemed to plump out suddenly into roundness the eyes of the two met with a sort of mutual congratulation then their attention was distracted by a growl and both looked to see the meaning of the sound not far from them, and on higher ground among the rocks stood a black bear. His little red eyes were fixed on them with a sort of malevolent irritation. He was very thin, a mere loose hide over bones, and the two knew that he had waked from his winter sleep in the caves and come out, desperately hungry, to find nothing to eat, and rather a comfortless world. He was annoyed. End of chapter 12